everyone. Dan Cassidy here. Welcome to the UBS Conversations podcast channel. Our conversation today will walk you through the latest UBS Investor Watch, a study of almost 4,000 high net worth investors in 15 global markets. Our guests will share with you the findings from the research, which sought out to uncover how the pandemic has changed investors' goals and behaviors and what they now value most. So let's take a moment to meet our guests joining us on the podcast today. Glad to welcome Danny Sherrill, Global Thought Leadership Analyst with the UBS Client Strategy Office. We also have Morgan Highland, Wealth Planning Specialist with our U.S. Wealth Planning Team, and then Amantia Muhadini, Sustainable Investing Strategist Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. So, Danny, Morgan, Amantia, welcome. Nice to be with you all. Looking forward to our conversation. And I do know we have a lot of ground that we want to cover during our time together. So, perhaps, Danny, to level set and kick things off, I know the latest UBS Investor Watch, it showcases how the COVID-19 pandemic transformed investors' views on life and how they're planning to make up for the time lost. So before we dive into the details, Danny, uh, can you provide us with some key takeaways and findings? What can you share with us? Yeah. Hi, Dan. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be back and to talk through the findings with you. So of course, as you'd expect, investors want to begin spending and doing the things that they did before after a year and a half of lockdowns and restrictions. So six in 10 investors say they're ready to make up for lost time now that these restrictions are beginning to recede. But what really surprised us most about these findings was that investors aren't just looking to spend indiscriminately and frivolously. They're really emerging from the pandemic with a new mindset. Eight in 10 investors said the pandemic made them realize that life is short. And as a result, they're reassessing what's most important to them. And what they found was the most important things right now after a year of loss and confusion are meaning and purpose. 68% of investors want to make more of a difference in the world and they want to find their life's purpose. One of the key findings is that investors realize their wealth can help support them in driving this change. Nine in 10 investors we surveyed want to align their investments with their values. Well, Danny, thank you for walking us through some of those key findings. And I do want to dive a bit deeper into the details and what was taken away from the research and with this new perspective on life. Amantia, in what ways do investors plan to help others and and deploy capital in order to drive change. Thanks, Dan, and, and great to join this conversation. Um, the, the findings of this research piece were truly striking and interesting, and, and in many ways um, also consistent with what we're seeing in the broader market as well. So just to reiterate, one of those striking findings that, that Danny just mentioned was that um, 90% of, of investors wanted to align their investments with their values, as she just said, as well as um, the, their, their study found that uh, nearly 60% of investors said that they were more interested in sustainable investing specifically as a result of COVID-19. And I would add that this um, this this particular finding here um, is, is interesting and certainly in line with also what we've seen in the broader market. So, you know, as we've discussed on this podcast before, sustainable investing is certainly not new and it has been, in fact, on the rise for many years. However, COVID-19 and really 2020 seem to have been really pivotal moments, almost watershed moments for sustainable investing as, as we're seeing more investors thinking about how they can deploy capital in ways that, 
yes, one can have a difference, you know, make a difference in the world, but also how they're thinking about the way that sustainability issues are important to the way that their assets are managed and how they're uh, important to their investments. So the role of kind of the, the world and sustainability challenges into the portfolio. Um, what we're finding is that, you know, people are evaluating what is, what is important to them right now and beyond the implications for lifestyle choices, again, as and as Jenny mentioned, this is having implications for investment choices, and and this shift is highlighting how our environment, how our health, how our social systems are so closely interconnected and connected to financial markets, to our economies, and ultimately to our portfolios. So, in some ways, what we're seeing is that. Um, you know, the scale of these social and environmental issues that we're globally facing is so vast and people are are realizing this. Investors are are understanding this more cleanly and, and the amount of capital that is needed to address some of these global um, issues is uh, first off, you know, becoming top of mind for investors, but also is presenting very attractive investment opportunities for those who are taking this lens of sustainability, of change in, in designing their investment strategies. And so I'd say, you know, we, we just talked about this, this value change uh, and these new ways of, of investors viewing life, but the what's important there to recognize is also that the questions that uh, we're asking that our portfolios are evolving, uh, and they they're you know they're in two ways basically. One is how can we drive change. The second question is you know uh, can I is there a risk if I ignore sustainability issues and ESG issues uh, in my investment decision making? And um, I think the, the answers are starting to to be sort of affirmative, and and that's what's uh, helping investors look for ways and find ways to, to align their capital with sustainability issues as well. If we run with that for a few more moments and we put this particular new perspective into practice and context to an investment portfolio, what should an allocation into sustainable investments look like from your perspective in the context of a diversified investment portfolio? Right. And uh, that, that's a great question. It's very much the, the question is, okay, I, I care about this and, and I, I realize it's important to my investments in the world. So then what next? And can I do this, in, you know, meaning sustainable investing in a way that I'm still having a diversified portfolio like I would in traditional investing? And very importantly, can I do sustainable investing without sacrificing returns? This is very much one of the questions that uh, we're used to hearing historically. And, you know, we have two pieces of good news for listeners and investors. The first is that um, it is possible for investors to build a portfolio that is 100% sustainable um, and that is diversified across asset classes, that is diversified across equities and fixed income, um, across regions, geographies, and files as well. Um, and, and in addition, the second piece of, of good news um, is that investors don't need to give up returns to invest sustainably. Uh, what we found is that our own 100% sustainable investing strategic asset allocation, meaning the way that we've conceptualized how you can have a diversified sustainable portfolio, um, is a way to capture the benefits 
that adding a sustainability lens can present to, to investments, as well as to potentially help to um, minimize or, or mitigate some of the potential risks that not looking for how sustainability investing can, or how sustainability challenges can impact the portfolio. So what we found is that our SAAs are um, ultimately designed to look for similar risk and return characteristics as a traditional portfolio that doesn't intentionally incorporate sustainability. And this is true over a long um, you know, period of time, a full business cycle. Over the short term, we've also found that it's possible for uh, some sustainable investing strategies to even outperform in specific market cycles and, and very much um, the key message here is that sustainability is important for the long term and um, there are ways to add um, sustainability objectives or sustainability overlays across nearly all traditional asset classes to come up with portfolios that are diversified, can perform comparatively, and can help further align these client objectives and interests. Thank you, Amantia, for sharing with us those insights and providing that guidance when it comes to positioning. And of course, we do encourage our clients listening in to perhaps have a follow-up conversation with your financial advisor when it comes to an allocation into sustainable investments. So perhaps at this point, we can shift the conversation, talk about some demographic as well as generation findings and takeaways from the Investor Watch. So, Danny, I'll ask you, how have both younger and female investors been impacted and how are they responding differently as we begin to make our way out of the pandemic period? Yeah, this is a great question because we've seen a lot of secondary research on the disproportionate effect of the pandemic on both younger and female investors. So we really wanted to specifically find out how their experiences in the pandemic have shaped them. Um, younger investors are the most likely to have lost employment during the pandemic, and over half of the population between 18 and 29 years old, myself included, lived at home during the pandemic, which is the highest that we've seen since the Great Depression. And what we found when we dig, dug deeper into younger investors was that their mindset shifted far more so than that of older investors. So, for example, 8 in 10 younger investors want to make a difference in the world compared to only half of investors over the age of 50. Younger investors also expect to give more charitably post-pandemic. 52% want to give more now than they did even before the pandemic, versus only 35% of those over 50. And then if we pivot to women, more than 8 million women have had to leave the workforce as a result of the pandemic and increased stress and burdens at home. There's really no shortage of studies and articles that say how workplace equality has taken a huge hit because of this past year and a half. So as a result, what we found in our Investor Watch survey is that more women than men say that the pandemic has prompted introspection and reevaluation of goals. 84% of women said that the pandemic made them reassess what's most important to them compared to 75% of men. And similar to younger investors, more women expect to give to charity. So over half expect to give more than they did before the pandemic compared to only about four in 10 men who said the same thing. So you really can see that 
the pandemic has shaped women and younger investors even more so than their older and male counterparts. Well, thank you, Danny, for that. And that's a good segue. Maybe we can spend a few moments now to talk about personal spending. And I know, Morgan Highland, you'll want to weigh in on this point as well. But Danny, to start off, in terms of personal spending, what did the findings uncover as to how often investors plan to spend money relative to the pre-pandemic world, as well as what this spending might be geared towards? Yeah, after lockdowns and restrictions took over the past year and a half, we see that investors are really prioritizing spending on experiences over things. So 77% of investors said the pandemic made them realize that experiences are more important than material possessions. So travel, as we can expect, really topped the list of planned expenditures with six in 10 investors saying they'll spend more on travel than they did even before the pandemic. So this isn't compared to 2020 when we weren't moving around. This is compared to 2019 and even earlier. So it's a really interesting finding that 60% of investors are looking to spend more on travel. They're also excited about spending on other social activities like dining out, concerts, sporting events, but are less excited to spend on material items like clothing or other possessions. Uh, Morgan, have you heard something similar or what have you heard? Thanks, Danny. And I definitely agree with the trends that you mentioned in my conversation. And another place where I'm seeing people directing some money post-pandemic is into life insurance and long-term care policies. Now, you know, unfortunately, the pandemic has shown all of us that life can be fragile and we need to plan for potential health events. Danny, you mentioned a stat in the Investor Watch survey, which I'll say again, which is that 82% of people said that the pandemic made them realize that life is short. And in my experience and in my conversations over the past year, clients are definitely wanting to plan for those events. So where appropriate, we have seen clients looking into purchasing some of those long-term care and life insurance policies. And then secondly, of course, again, Danny, as you mentioned, the Investor Watch report confirms that people are looking to make a difference. They want to be part of something bigger. And 45% of people surveyed said that they'd increase their charitable giving above pre-pandemic levels. So I've also seen increased interest in charitable giving as a spending point. And I'll talk a bit later in the podcast about some strategies to consider there as well. But those are two things that I've seen come up more in my conversations post-pandemic. Well, Morgan, those are some very interesting takeaways from the conversations you've had. And this was interesting. I know the findings uncovered that 45% of investors want to retire earlier to enjoy life. So Morgan, how could they effectively plan for that? What does that consist of? It's a good question. And choosing to retire is a really important milestone, but it also should be a really exciting milestone in someone's life. I will say if clients are considering retiring early, they definitely should reach out to their financial advisor because they have both the resources and the knowledge to guide you through that decision. In my financial planning process and my team's financial planning process, the first thing that we do is try and get a better understanding of what a client's ideal retirement looks like and what goals they have going forward. For example, do they want to travel every year? Do they want to move somewhere warmer? Do they want to spend more time with their children and grandchildren? Then on the flip side, we also want to make sure that we ask them, you know, what are their concerns and what keeps them up at night? And once we have a better picture of what they're looking to accomplish, we look at what resources they have to fund their lifestyle. One thing that we will talk about is that people are living longer each year and healthcare costs continue to rise. So we really want to make sure that they have sufficient resources to plan for that as well. From there, honestly, every client looks different and the strategies that we'd recommend 
recommend really depends on the client's personal situation. But again, if it is something that clients are considering, definitely reach out to um, their advisor to understand the strategies and approach that might be right for them. Well, Morgan, that was an important point to emphasize how everyone's personal situation is very circumstantial. So another point, Morgan, I wanted to ask you about, what about guidance you can offer our listeners, our clients in terms of how to effectively plan for helping others or allocating spending towards charitable contributions? There are really many, many different strategies that you can utilize for giving to charity and supporting the causes you care about. I'm going to mention two now, but again, it's important that for clients that are charitably inclined, have a conversation with their financial advisor, their accountant to determine what the best option is um, for them and their family. To start, if there is a specific cause that a client and their loved ones are passionate about, they can always give directly to a public charity. There's no limit on the amount you can donate to a public charity. However, there are limits on how much you can deduct from your taxes in any given year. And the amount of the deduction depends on the type of asset you donate. I want to mention that for 2021, if you itemize your taxes, you can deduct up to 100% of your adjusted gross income if you give cash to a public charity. So if you are considering directly giving to charity, that's something to consider and also speak to your tax advisor on, on the most efficient way to do so. But secondly, if people are looking for more flexibility as to where and when to donate to a charitable cause, they can consider creating what's called a donor advised fund. And a donor advised fund is an investment account that's created solely to support the charitable organizations that are important to the client. Once the account is established, they can contribute to the donor advised fund with cash or appreciated securities, and those assets are invested. Once the assets are invested in the account at any point in time, they can recommend a distribution from the account to a registered charity of their choice. So it really does allow a lot of flexibility to clients. Um, they will get a tax deduction for the year they contribute to the donor advised fund. And this is something that we've seen a lot of clients interested in, in general, but especially in the past year or so. Well, Morgan, thank you for walking our clients through those approaches. And as you said, those were just a couple of examples. So again, to reinforce, we do encourage our clients listening in to have that follow-up conversation with their financial advisor in order to learn more. I know we're beginning to come to the end of our time together, so uh, perhaps, Danny, is a good closing point for our listeners and our clients who want to learn more about what you, Morgan, Amantia, have covered with us on today's podcast, or if they want to dive a bit deeper into the latest Investor Watch, where can they go in order to learn more? Yeah, they can visit UBS.com slash Investor Watch. The full report is available for download there, as well as a really fascinating conversation between Jason Chandler, the head of our UBS wealth management business in the U.S., Salita Marcelli, our chief investment officer, Americas, and Dr. Nicholas Christakis, a Yale social scientist, physician, and professor who recently wrote a book about the pandemic's long and enduring impacts on society. So Dr. Krasakis has a really fascinating historical lens with which to talk about the pandemic. And he walks us through the three different phases of the pandemic, where we are right now and stuff like that. And then Salita covers the investment implications and how to best position yourself for each phase. So I'd highly recommend visiting UBS.com slash InvestorWatch to watch that discussion and to see more of the insights from the report. Great. Well, Danny, Morgan, Amantia, 
It was great catching up with you all. Thank you very much for your time, your insights, and for sharing with our clients, our listeners, the findings and takeaways from the latest UBS Investor Watch. And we'll look forward to picking back up with the conversation again soon. Thank you. Thanks, Dan. Today, again, we've been joined by Danny Sherrill, Global Thought Leadership Analyst with the UBS Client Strategy Office, Morgan Highland, Wealth Planning Specialist with our U.S. Wealth Planning Team, and Amantia Muhadini, Sustainable Investing Strategist Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. As a reminder to our clients and listeners, the latest UBS Investor Watch can be located on UBS.com forward slash Investor Watch. Again, that's UBS.com forward slash Investor Watch, where you can locate the latest Investor Watch and additional insights. The UBS Conversations podcast channel is available where podcasts are found, including on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Pandora. Visit UBS.com forward slash studios to view the entire podcast offering, as well as the new UBS trending video series. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us. Sustainable investing strategies aim to incorporate environmental, social, and governance, or ESG, considerations into investment process and portfolio construction. Strategies across geographies and styles approach ESG analysis and incorporate the findings in a variety of ways. The returns on portfolios consisting primarily of sustainable investments may be lower or higher than portfolios where ESG factors, exclusions, or other sustainability issues are not considered, and the investment opportunities available to such portfolios may also differ. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Neither UBS Financial Services, Inc. nor any of its employees provide tax or legal advice. You should consult with your personal tax or legal advisor regarding your personal circumstances. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients, UBS Financial Services, Inc. offers investment advisory services in its capacity as an SEC-registered investment advisor and brokerage services in its capacity as an SEC-registered broker-dealer. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways, and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. It is important that clients understand the ways in which we conduct business, that they carefully read the agreements and disclosures that we provide to them about the products or services we offer. For more information, please review the PDF document at UBS.com forward slash relationship summary. UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG, member FINRA SIPC.